Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This weekend with your host, Gordon Deal. Insufficient guardrails for AI. I'm Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Here's what's coming up this hour. Artificial intelligence apps can do incredible things, but can also get kids into a lot of trouble. We'll have key lessons for families. Contrary to belief, the lazy girl theme on social media isn't about women avoiding work. A new study identifies their expectations at the office. A woman in the Northeast is captivating her TikTok followers by constructing a tunnel under her home. Hear what she's up to and why. And avoiding family fireworks at Thanksgiving dinner. So easy takeaways that we, we talk to people about in uh, you know, communication across all generations or in difficult conversations is it is quite okay to just listen without responding. Communications expert Jeff Arnold on multi-generational communication with all that's available to disagree about in today's world. Well, descendants of Holocaust survivors and a growing Muslim population live side by side in the diverse Chicago suburb of Skokie that prides itself on safety and civility. Joe Barrett, senior Midwest correspondent at The Wall Street Journal, paid a visit and found that the tolerance, though, is being put to the test as war rages in the Middle East. Joe, what did you find? Skokie has been known uh, for a long time as the place where uh, there was a large concentration of Holocaust survivors. Um, and now, you know, it's, it's a place where their descendants have really settled down. And uh, since the 1990s, a lot of Muslims have uh, come into the community. And it's just a, you know, it's a nice uh, Chicago suburb, not huge houses or anything, you know, like one and two story brick homes on small lots and good schools. Uh, and, you know, people just have been getting along. I mean, with the exception of sort of after 9-11, when tensions were really high, um, you know, generally the, 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 the two groups have lived side by side and done well. And, you know, tensions are really just at a boiling point. Yeah. Uh, what's being said, generally speaking here, uh, given what's happened in the Middle East? Well, you know, I mean, everybody has their feelings about it. Uh, but, you know, what, what has people alarmed is, you know, there was a a meeting of, of people supporting uh, Israel uh, at, a, at a little banquet hall. And, um, I, you know, I think it was about a thousand people. But then uh, pro-Palestinian counter demonstrators um, kind of showed up and surrounded that place. And then a couple of guys, you know, got in scuffles with them. And, you know, two people were arrested. You know, one guy shot his gun into the air and another guy pepper sprayed some people in the crowd. So, you know, it, it just things are just on that edge where you kind of don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. When well, I talk about diversity, did you say uh, in, in Skokie they speak roughly 75 different languages? Well, that sound of like 65,000 people, right? Yeah, no, it's a real mel melting pot up there. I mean, you just kind of see every nationality represented, you know, when you're driving down the street and looking at the, the uh, I, I saw there was a Filipino restaurant, you know, you don't see that on every block, even in Chicago. All right. So you reference to the, kind of the history of Skokie dating back to the 70s where what it was a like a, a a lawsuit over a neo-Nazi march, and then there was a, a a KKK rally, like in what roughly 2000. Like paint that picture. Yeah, I think that you know people, you know, based on the reputation as a as a place with a lot of Holocaust survivors, um, you know, there have been these various groups that want to go there and use the place as a as a backdrop to call attention to their cause or whatever. And you know, the neo-Nazis uh, in the 70s wanted to hold a rally there and. Uh, people in Skokie objected, and you know it went to the Supreme Court, and um, the Supreme Court said you can have the rally. But at that point, the Nazis had like 
done a couple little things in Chicago when they sort of gave up on it. And then when the Ku Klux Klan came through, they got pelted by snowballs, which I thought was an interesting <laughs> little, sure. little counter-protest. Right. We're speaking with Joe Barrett, senior Midwest correspondent at The Wall Street Journal. His piece is called A Town That Has Been a Refuge for Jews and Muslims Now Sees Divisions. He paid a visit to Skokie, Illinois. What about some of the recent threats? Yeah, there's been a bomb threat that cleared out a synagogue. And, um, uh, you know, some people had they had signs in their yard that said, I, I stand with Israel. And those got, you know, uh, pulled out by somebody in the dark of night. Um, you know, and then and then all the stuff that's going on online, you know, everybody's everybody's seeing the everybody's got their claws out right now. And, um, you know, pe- people are really concerned at the tail end of your piece. You said uh, some of the leaders in town say, you know, generally speaking, everybody wants the same thing. Meaning what? Yeah, no, I mean, Skokie is this, you know, little place where people want to come to, uh, you know, raise their family and, and uh, worship, you know, whoever they want to. And um uh, you know, I spoke with this rabbi who who had actually attended the funeral of a Palestinian American boy who was who was stabbed to death. Um, you know, since all this stuff happened, and you know, it was really really brave of him to go and show his support in that way. Um, but you know, he, he he just said, you know, we all want the same thing, and that's really the dream of Skokie. And um, yeah, it was a really nice sentiment. I thought. Yeah, so, I, I mean, is this what's happening now? Uh, a a this too shall pass moment, or are things different this time? Well, you know, it, it certainly depends on how long the war goes and how 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 much higher the temperature gets, uh, uh, you know, across the U.S. I mean, there, you know, we're seeing sort of more and more um, skirmishes on these at the at these protests. So, you know, uh, they, they they certainly want to keep a lid on it in Skokie and 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 maintain good relations, and they're working on it. But, um, you know, kind of nobody knows where this is headed. I'm afraid. Thanks, Joe. Joe Barrett, senior Midwest correspondent at the Wall Street Journal. Dell's Black Friday event is their biggest sale of the year. Shop limited time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top brand accessories. Shop now at dell.com slash deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Thanks for spending time with us. It's time for the talk about artificial intelligence. Actually, it might be way overdue. AI apps, as you know, can do amazing things, but they also can get children into a lot of trouble, and chances are your kids are already using them. Some assistance about addressing it from Jeffrey Fowler, technology columnist at The Washington Post. Jeff, what did you look at? Well, it's more than just that they're aware of it. Here's the reality. One in 10 American teenagers is already using ChatGPT for school. Um, This thing has not even been around for a year yet, and it's already remaking how they do assignments, how they get information, how they make friends, how they socialize. Um, In fact, I would argue that more American kids have used these products probably than their parents have. And that means that there's there's a big disconnect here. Because one thing we also have learned over the last year is that uh, is that uh, AI can get kids into trouble in lots of different ways. So that's why I said in my column uh, uh, today in the Post that really uh, it's time for the talk, and parents really need to uh, to to level with 
with their kids about what they're doing with AI and how to stay safe. All right. You referenced the uncomfortable truths about AI, which would include what, Jeff? Um, there's a couple of them. And sort of the, 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 the reason to bring this up to now is that actually there's, there's some resources that exist for parents um, starting today. Uh, the folks at Common Sense Media, who are well known for their movie ratings and reviews, came out with reviews of AI apps. Um, and uh, what those do is those kind of bring out some of these uncomfortable truths and they highlight for parents who don't have to be AI experts uh, what they need to know to talk with their kids uh, about, uh, about, about the things that, that are going on. Uh, for example, I think one of the big ones is that uh, kids really tend to treat AI like it's magic. Um, you know, they go into ChatGPT, they type something and magically something appears. And that seems really cool, but the deal is it's not magic, right? And we know that there are lots of different kinds of problems that can come out of relying on uh, AI for information. It can give you bad information. Mm. Uh, it can give you, it can take kids down really dark paths. For example, this year I did some experiments uh, with uh, ChatGPT and other chatbots and image generators and found that it uh, encouraged them to, uh, to be pro-anorexia. That's just one example of how this stuff can really take kids down a bad path. All right. You said, too, that uh, there are insufficient guardrails for kids. What might those guardrails look like? Well, um, in the home, it's really going to start with the parents. Right. And so it's going to have to be not necessarily saying, hey, uh, you can't use AI apps, but more, hey, what are you using it for? And is that a thing that is really a good use of it? So, for example, um, lots and lots of kids use ChatGPT to help them with homework. We know that. Um, but what are they using it for in that homework? Are they using it to get factual information? Um, if so, parents need to talk with, with the kids about how actually these AI apps, particularly the chatbots, are not good at facts and how often, in fact, they get, get stuff wrong. And so if you're going to use it that way, you really have to, uh, to cross-check everything you get out of it. Um, and that can be part of the learning process. Kids might find it annoying, but it is kind of a, a critical step. We're speaking with Jeffrey Fowler, technology columnist at The Washington Post. His piece is called It's Time to Have the Talk with Kids About AI. You said, too, that, that AI is not your friend, at least for kids, uh, meaning what? Well, so a growing number of AI apps uh, literally position themselves as virtual friends. So Snapchat has my AI built into it. Uh, it's basically a chatbot that's there sitting right at the top of your of your list of friends. This uh, uh, You can sort of converse with it as if it was a friend. It's always around and will talk to you even when your friends don't want to talk to you or your human friends. But the deal is it's not a human, right? And uh, telling kids that, um, that, that, that they should think of it as one could have all sorts of, 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 of bad um, outcomes, right? Like it's stunt their emotional development. Man. All right. So th with that backdrop, uh, you said too, I mean, children are a target market here. Yeah. So this is the other thing that I think parents really need to be aware of that, um, you know, these tech companies, Google, uh, OpenAI, you name it, are telling Washington, they're telling lawmakers, oh, these are just experiments. We're just developing them. You know, you know we don't maybe need to have too many constraints on us just yet. But meanwhile, they are actively courting kids as uh, as a market. Thanks, Jeff. Jeffrey Fowler, technology columnist at The Washington Post. 
Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your personal HelloFresh holiday helper. Seriously, make your holiday festivities stand out with HelloFresh with over 45 scrumptious recipes that will impress at your party. This season, indulge in the joy of cooking made simple. HelloFresh delivers right to your door so it's convenient and saves time. And with the very specific step-by-step instructions from HelloFresh, it's easy for someone with zero kitchen skills like me to follow along. Make it the tastiest holiday season yet with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets me ditch the store run. No stressing about running back and forth or worrying about forgetting something. Their farm-fresh and pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free and use code Gordon Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free with the code Gordon Free. Unleash the tasty seasonal flavors from America's number one meal kit. Order HelloFresh today at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free. Hey, glad you could be with us. There's a lot to disagree about in today's world, an unaddressed conflict between generations of family can turn nasty as we gather for Thanksgiving. How to keep the peace from this weekend's Jennifer Koshenka. Family gatherings can be tense, especially when dinner talk turns to dinner fights. How can we master difficult conversations and keep the peace? Some tips from communication expert Jeff Arnold, author of Leading Across the Generations. Jeff, should you set boundaries about what not to talk about beforehand? Yes, absolutely, if you want, right? So a lot of these conversations around the Thanksgiving and then upcoming Christmas uh, dinner tables can, of course, quickly turn to to politics and uh, religion and other uh, confrontational argumentative subjects. Uh, So you you can agree, uh, probably on the car ride over, that uh, other family members aren't going to, but some uncle or some aunt is going to bring it up, and then therein lies the conundrum. How do you uh, get yourself extricated from it, right? Yeah, when a discussion starts to go off the rails, why is it important to kind of take a step back and pause? It's a very, very valid point and a great skill to learn. Uh, one of the, the easy takeaways that we, we talk to people about in uh, you know, communication across all generations or in difficult conversations is uh, t- two quick things, right? Um, it is quite okay to just listen without responding. Now, admittedly, this is a learned skill, right? Especially when your eyebrows furl at a disagreement of someone, but uh, uh, it's okay to listen without responding. And then I think a wise one, uh, or a wise person once said that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So no amount of arguing over the uh, turkey or the Thanksgiving table is going to win someone to your ideology. So uh, uh, enjoy the time together. Try to avoid these uh, difficult subject matters if it's going to turn into a, a, an all-out argument. Jeff, is it over okay to just completely walk away? I think so, right? Sometimes uh, uh, I'll be a little bit uh, sexist here, for lack of a better word. Sometimes it's not really easy for men to do that because it's you know, could be perceived as weak need or spineless, and so we kind of dig in and lean into those kind of things. But it is absolutely okay um, to to avoid, as we call it, a uh, a turkey dinner 
kerfuffle, right? <laughs> and if anyone uh, in your listening audience is still fortunate to have their, their mom present uh, at these events, uh, th- make, make this a special day for your mom, uh, or for all members of the family, and uh, uh, engage in uplifting and positive conversation. We're speaking with communication expert Jeff Arnold. Jeff, how do you avoid disagreeing with someone directly? Hey, I would submit to you that there are several different skill sets you can uh, employ here, right? Um, again, even the, the, the most staunch disagreement that you might have with someone on a particular subject matter, there exists place where you can align with them. And so some of the best statesmen in the world always found ways uh, to agree with people. Even if they had complete different ideologies, they found ways on things that they could agree with. So instead of looking for the differences uh, with respect to your, con- to your question, find ways where you can agree with them on, right? Yeah, war is, if we're talking about the thing in the Middle East, war is horrible. We can all agree on that without having to take sides uh, on one of the other uh, issues, um, which your, your dinner partner may have a completely different view, especially if they're younger or, or much older. But I think one thing everyone at the table could agree on is war is a horrible, nasty, dirty event. What if you really don't don't like one of your relatives? Uh, you talk about appreciating something about that person. How can you do that if you find it very difficult? Yeah, it is, as we say, a skill set that has to be learned. Um, but I think if... Uh, if you take another quick thing away, and I'll try to make this one succinct, it's part of a longer kind of a, a conversation, but try one thing at the Thanksgiving table this year. Seek a connection, not communication, right? So seek to connect with that person, not just to communicate with them. That's communications expert Jeff Arnold with this weekend's Jennifer Koshenka. Coming up next, what women really want at work. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Glad you could be with us. Thanks for spending part of your weekend here. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Coming up this half hour, what women really want at work. Also, first-time homebuyer options in today's housing market. And why build a tunnel under your home if you're not a prepper? We'll have that story in about 20 minutes. Well, you've heard about lazy girl jobs, a viral social media trend in which younger generations of women tout switching their job to find greater work-life balance. But unlike the quiet quitting trend of recent years, self-proclaimed lazy girls aren't avoiding work, but rather setting boundaries around their career. More on new data from Gallup from Julie Bauke, known as Julie on the Job. 
Julie, what do you make of this? First of all, I cringe when I hear phrases like lazy girl um, because I think it plays into a narrative that a lot of leaders and organizations believe that Gen Z doesn't want to work. What, let's let's first let, let's what lazy let's talk about lazy girl for a second then i'm going to talk about you know let's dig deep into that so it's it's generations of these younger generations of women are saying we are we are not afraid to change jobs because we want work-life balance we don't want to live to work and so what they've said is we will keep looking and moving until we find something that fits our lives and then, so Gallup, which is really the premier organization for workplace data, came out and did this study about, said, what are the differences between men and women? Why do they take that next job? What is their priority? What are they looking for? And it really plays out. Women are looking for, 70% of women say their top reason, mentioned as one of their top reasons, greater work-life balance and better personal well-being. And that probably breaks down, too, among women who are moms versus those who oh, yeah. are not to a certain degree. Yeah. I'm, I'm just guessing. Yeah. It's just from my own experience. But what is also interesting is that when you look at men's reasons for taking the night, it's number two. It, 58% of men put that as a top reason for taking a next job. And that really is very consistent anecdotally. When I talk to younger people, let's say people in their 20s and 30s about what's going on in their careers, men and women alike talk about the importance of being able to live a whole life instead of just living to work. And so I think that women are a lot more, what we're seeing on TikTok or wherever it is, I think women are, girls, women are a lot more willing to say, yes, this is, this is what I want and I'm gonna have it because I have to have it because of everything that it's pushing on me at home. Um, where men, men's number one top reason for taking a next job is increasing my income mm -hmm. or improving my benefits package. Well, there's still that old, uh, I don't know, like hunter-gatherer yeah. mentality, right? I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of that, but I, I think it's, what I think is so dangerous is using the word lazy. Because we're not, they just because you want to work differently doesn't mean you're lazy. Although, mm -hmm. hey, lazy people have been around forever. We've all worked with them. And so it's not that nobody's lazy. It's just to lump everybody who's searching to work, to work and live in a different way, putting them into a category that says they're not working the way I want them to work. They don't have the same priorities I do. So therefore they are lazy is not only lazy thinking in and of itself, but it's also dangerous. Interesting distinction. We're speaking with Julie Bauke, career strategist known as Julie on the job. We're talking about this new survey from Gallup about what women really want at work. Um, how are those wants managed, say, by a manager or the female employee herself? The first thing you have to do is take charge of that conversation. So don't ask for the right questions. When you're interviewing, make sure you're asking the right questions, you're talking to other people, and you are really getting an understanding about what's expected in that role. And what is a typical work week like? And what are the boundaries? And you know, it's okay to say, here are my values and priorities. I will work really hard for you. I will do a great job, but I also don't want, uh, you know, I, I don't want a 24 seven type of role. And people are getting a lot more bold about saying that. And so you 
you can't take a job and expect that, you, that the people you're going to be working with are mind readers. You have to be clear up front with what you want, and you have to explain that. Thanks, Julie. Career strategist Julie Bauke, known as Julie on the Job. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Nearly three quarters of aspiring home buyers say affordability is the number one obstacle to owning a home. In today's market, Nepo home buyers are tapping family money to afford their down payment. More from Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Jessica, tell us about new research. Okay, well, we've all been watching home prices just tick higher since the pandemic. Um, but on top of that, 30-year fixed mortgage rates are now near the highest levels they've been in more than two decades. So coupled together, that has made affordability the number one problem when it comes to owning a home, buying a home, particularly for first-time home buyers. It's just harder to get into this market at all. How do first-time home buyers even do it today? Especially well, if you're young, you know, maybe, maybe you're at your first job. You haven't gotten like, I don't know, the big raise or promotion yet. How do you, yeah. I don't know how they do it. I saw some research that home buyers would need a, a salary of about $114,000 to afford a median priced house in the U.S. these days. And then another recent report that the median down payment in the U.S. has reached a new high of $30,000. So for those just starting out, those are high bars. That's a very hard hurdle to overcome. And what I've heard from the folks at Zillow and Redfin and Realtor.com is that a lot of young adults are just cobbling together resources however they can. And in many cases, that means turning to their parents for help. They're, they're called, these days they're called Nepo homebuyers because they have to rely on family money to make that purchase. And that's, that's assuming that the parents have the money. Well, right. I mean, this is a very privileged network. Not everybody can fall back okay. on their family safety net, but those that can are doing it because it is one of the few ways to get into the market. All right. So not to get too much into the nitty gritty, but like, are you uh, asking for this money as a gift or are we setting up some sort of contract that says I will pay you back and here's how and when? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on everyone's individual circumstances, but sometimes it's just a cash gift. Other times they're tapping what would be their inheritance to afford their down payment. That often just, you know, can involve some sometimes uncomfortable discussions, but these are important conversations to have, especially just being upfront about your financial situation with your family members. I mean, that's important. We're speaking with Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Her story is called To Buy a House in Today's Market, More People Turn to an Alternative Lender, Their Parents. You said in your piece, though, down payment isn't everything, meaning what? Yeah, well, a lot of people often get stuck on the down payment portion of one of the home buying process. How will I afford the down payment? You can sort of wrap your mind around spreading out a monthly payment, but to come up with that big chunk of cash up front is often daunting. So one of the things that I learned is that 20% is often considered the standard, but it, that doesn't mean it really is. There are a lot of ways around that. The government, states, banks, credit unions all have programs with much lower down payment requirements, even none at all. So you have to look at what's around. There may be ways to sidestep the 20% down payment, maybe put 10% down or possibly even less. There are 
alternatives if you're struggling with that part of it. Okay. Uh, and if that's the case, you're probably getting private mortgage insurance. You're getting PMI for that? Well, it can depend on what type of loan you have and what your options are, but that is that is one consideration. And you want to look into, of course, you know, read the fine print, see what these types of loans entail and um, take in, into account everything. And that includes taxes, um, your HOA, if applicable, you know, all that stuff. It, you really do have to crunch the numbers here. Yeah. Some in your story referenced the deterioration of the American dream. Is this it? I, I mean, we're, we're... well, I mean, this, a lot of people think of the American dream as the cliched house with the white picket fence. I mean, that is key. And it's been a huge part of wealth creation. Thanks, Jessica. Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Here comes Thanksgiving, right? Family, friends, time off from work and added stress in the kitchen. Celebrity chef Maria Liberati, author of The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, has ideas on how to keep your meals simple this year. Seems impossible. Maria, help us out. I recommend not to think of your Thanksgiving as like this big project that if, you know, you have to do certain things and follow certain rules. Make it a fun day. Um, get everyone to join you in the kitchen. Don't make it your show and, and put the, all the responsibility on you. Make it a fun day. Make it a fun day to, to join with family and friends and create memorable experiences in the kitchen and uh, don't cook a recipe that you've never cooked for the first time on <laughs> Thanksgiving. Many people do that. Oh yeah, I'm dreaming of this recipe and I'm going to do it on Thanksgiving day and it ends up being a disaster and there's no reason to do that. Cook familiar things that you've done or try that recipe that you're dreaming of doing way in advance. Cook it a couple times. Don't just do it on Thanksgiving. But the best uh, the best is keep it simple for that day so you can also enjoy that day with family and friends and make it a fun day, not a stressful day. What about delegating some stuff? You're, you're like you're like Italian professional <laughs> chef. You can't possibly turn to somebody else and say, "Hey, prep this for me." No, no, you want to, you know, if you're going to, obviously, you know, family and friends aren't professional chefs. Some may have cooking experience, some may not. Of course, my big Italian family, you know, everybody thinks they're professional chefs. <laughs> it's hard to delegate and give instructions when everybody's kind of in competition. But if you're going to delegate, delegate simple tasks then that you think, you know, people can handle, I don't know, chop the onions or uh, squeeze a lemon or, you know, have people do things that are simple. And as I said, that's why it makes it really important to try and keep the recipe simple. And uh, it, it just makes it all a fun day for everybody. But if you're going to, yeah, delegate things, make it simple tasks that everybody can handle. Mm. We're speaking with celebrity chef Maria Liberati, author of a book called The Basic Art of Italian Cooking. She also hosts the Maria Liberati Show. So how do you keep it simple? I mean, Give me some ideas here for Thanksgiving. Well, how do you keep it simple? So um, 
you know, familiar recipes, recipes that you've cooked before, um, nothing that takes a lot of uh, prepping and, you name know, one. long time name cooking. One. Uh, name one. So are we talking about Thanksgiving? Yes. Uh, you know, simple salad. If you want to do, you know, a salad, just basically salad and, uh, you know, big salad. Thanks, Maria. Maria Liberati. Again, the book is called The Basic Art of Italian Cooking. Coming up next, building a tunnel under your house when you're not an engineer. We'll finish with this. A woman on TikTok has gained notoriety for an unusual home improvement project, digging a tunnel that's 30 feet long and 20 feet deep under her suburban home in the Northeast. Kayla, who's 37, became known as TikTok's Tunnel Girl after she started documenting her journey of excavating below her house about a year ago. The underground tunnel is intended to be a storm shelter, though she said she primarily took on the project to challenge herself. She told NBC News that she enjoys working on ambitious home improvement projects and previously constructed a four-story addition to the back of her house. As the entrance tunnel stretched longer and deeper, I bought an electric yard cart and converted it into a mine cart. I used hundreds of concrete blocks and yards of hand-mixed concrete for the 30-foot entrance tunnel. Kayla, who requested that her full name and location not be used due to safety concerns, said she started to think last year about adding an additional secure space to her home, which she owns, underneath the existing basement. She insists she's not a doomsday prepper. Commenters want to know about safety, since despite what her TikTok username suggests, Kayla does not have a formal background in engineering. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Kashenka, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Weekend.